this is the f- the last episode of our first of our first season. We're we're wrapping that up. It's the beginning of the end. Beginning of the end. Um, we'll be back. Maybe we'll definitely be back. <laughs> we'll definitely be back. It's been an amazing, amazing first season. But more on that later. Let's uh, talk a little bit about what we're doing here. This is our this is another feedback episode. Um, this is our second feedback episode. So we've gotten letters and whatnotery from listeners and former members, and we are here to share some of those things. What do we have coming in this episode, Charity? Ooh, more secrets from the tape editing room. Ooh. Salacious. <laughs> Explorations of the Shiloh compound. Very fun. A few former members share their memories of rejection and lasting trauma. We know all about that. Keep it coming. Mm-hmm. More of that. <laughs> strange vigils in the wake of JRS's death. Uh-huh. Very strange. And our favorite. Babylonian toilet paper and catnip enemas, folks. Stay tuned. <laughs> if you weren't intrigued before, you better be now. <laughs> Welcome to the whatever fucking podcast this is. You don't but... want to mention that it's the Living Word Cult? No, I think that's great. But is it just going to be called the Living Word Cult podcast? No, no. Oh, what could it be? What could it be, Charity? You and I are both former members, Living Word, Fellowship. We're investigating the uh, the ins and outs of our experience. In and out podcast. <laughs> you can cut that part out. It's real casual. It guarantees it's going to break down very quickly, which is <laughs> totally fine. It's, it's the Living Word, Fellowship, it's the walk. Thought it was a church, turned out it was a cult. Oh, there's a good... That's it. That's what it is. That's it. I mean, I kind of love it. It's not bad. It's not bad. Oops, I'm in a cult. <laughs> Are we are we here? Are we getting are we getting ready to get started on this one? Yeah. Do you wanna do you wanna kick it off? Yeah, I can I can kick it off on reading our our tape editing story. So from our first feedback um, episode, we we uh, read a message we received from a former member who worked in the tape editing department, which was the bowels of the Living Word. It was uh, the front lines in many ways. The the leader like Gary Hargrave or John Robert Stevens would bring their word and their big sermon, and then it would go to it would be recorded by people like me who worked in the audio department, and then it would be Thank taken you, Scott to. Uh, you're welcome. We're preserving and the then, word. <laughs> that's right. And then it would be taken. <laughs> this pure word from God would be taken to the production facility, where it would be edited and transformed into what was published and distributed. And we heard before that they would edit out things like the founder's first wife, any mention of the founder's first wife, Martha. This person who also worked in the tape editing department uh, sent us a message that I think is very revealing. So here we go. This is from them. They said, I worked at TLW in the tape editing department and still have pretty complicated feelings about it. Part of working there is an ingrained loyalty and sense of keeping the confidence that makes it hard for me to talk about even now, several years out. But I was listening to the podcast tonight, and I just wanted to confirm that lots of stuff was definitely edited out, not just in Hidden Treasures. These were the republishing of John Robert Stevens' tapes, the Hidden Treasures. We were also trying to re-release CDs and MP3 messages that had previously been released on cassettes. And we were constantly having to ask about references and if they if we should edit them out. It would be things like outdated racial terms. Yeah, we've heard some of those. Any of JRS's family members, any references to being a cult. Jeesh, that was really hard <laughs> to come to terms with. 
how much I had heard that this was a cult and completely did not believe it. The death prayers, political stuff, Catholicism being tied to the Antichrist, since at the time we were trying to build a relationship with the Catholics, Gary's first wife and baby, and on and on and on. I mean, just this <laughs> an enormous amount. It's enormous. It's like so any family that was around with the leaders before, they would just nope, yeah. didn't happen. Never mind. Sanitized. Sanitized. John Robert Stevens railed against the Catholic Church. He had oh, big problems with them. But mm-hmm. later in the early 2000s and the 20 teens, Gary was fostering relationships with the Catholic Church and meeting with them and going on TV with them and all kinds of stuff. And uh, so, yeah, they were trying to sanitize the... Um, <laughs> Rewrite past. history. Oh, we've always Rewrite. loved the Catholic Church. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, okay. This person goes on to say, seriously, we had a spreadsheet to try and keep track of what kind of references we uh, we had approval to keep in and what we had to remove. And this was from messages that had already been edited and released previously in the 70s to 2000s. Also... As a, as a maybe funny side story, we had several orders for girls turn it off and Marilyn talks to the high school girls. These were messages. And we spent so many hours trying to figure out a way to edit those so they would be palpable for public consumption without success. <laughs> honestly... <laughs> without success, underline that. Because yeah. yeah. how you can't make it palatable for, for make normal it palatable. consumption. <laughs> I am honestly very concerned for my psyche considered how much considering how much time I had spent listening slash reading those words black. Also, I had no idea Gary had been married previously until I was editing a message where his pregnant wife was being ministered to about her calling to work with children. We were always told that if we came across anything we while we were editing that we had questions about, we should talk to the editing supervisor about it. And of course, we saw before that anytime you talk to the editing supervisor, they would just tell you how to think about it. Right. Um, yeah. Anyway, there's a brief insight into the life of TLW editor. If you want less polished stuff, your best bet is the old cassettes. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's what I'm finding. Um, but even those, as they say, um, had stuff edited out back in the day, such a, such a, such a bummer, but we do have girls turn it off and, um, Marilyn talks to the high school girls and yeah. And there are some things, you know, girls turning off is famously where Marilyn says she's anti-woman and really hates women. Yeah. Um, And that, yeah, I can see how like cutting that out kind of cuts out the whole message. You know, there's not a, Oh yeah. There's like nothing worth saving in there. there. (laughs) Especially if you're even an I one iota of a feminist, you know, it's like, yeah, exactly. I remember in that she says like uh, something along the lines of if you get attention, you know, oh, I don't know why this man is paying attention to me. And then she goes, you did it, you jerk. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was your fault. You're the one that did it. You're playing around with him the way that she says it. Yeah, yeah. Good Lord. Um, Good Lord. I can only I, I haven't listened to the high school, high school girls ones. But from what I understand, those casual conversations, things you and I tried to make it through one of the <sighs> more exciting ones of those. And it was miserable. And someday, and like the reason we haven't done just an episode where charity and I sit down and like go through and play all the clips is because it is, it's hard. It's really hard. It it's is. like this, the, the person that wrote in said they're worried about 
their psyche because of all mm-hmm. the time that they spent. Like, yeah, yeah, I I have a hard time with this too. And I'm yeah, not even we try. A woman. We actually, <laughs> well, we were just as shitty to men. Well, maybe not just as it was just different. It was, but different, it was still yeah. some pretty messed up messaging for y'all too. Yeah, exactly. Apparently, I'm saying y'all now. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to season two coming around the corner. Charity <laughs> says y'all. around the mountain when she y'alls. <laughs> I don't even all know right, where that came right, from. All right. We're moving okay, on. We're moving back on. <laughs> oh, but I wanted to mention when she, the, yeah. the, when this person says um, about the outdated racial terms, if you go to our Instagram, the cult oh, yeah. doc Instagram, there's a, a little clip of JRS saying some messed up stuff. And, um, there's others that we can't yeah. even put on there because it's too offensive. So yeah, we've run across ones that, that are just good old JRS. Yeah. <sighs> Outdated yeah. racial <clears throat> slurs. Um, just imagine what they are and you'd be right. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. For former member explores Shiloh. Let's, why don't you, why don't you, uh, you read this one for us. This is a message from somebody who's a former member that went and found when checked out Shiloh after the cult had collapsed. Collapsed, yeah. Um, They said, after listening to the Riverside guy, this was what we read um, from a non-member from our previous feedback episode, that had said he wanted to explore Shiloh post-shutdown, it reminded me that my husband and I, both born into the cult and members until 2018, ventured into the Shiloh facility post-shutdown and pre-burning when visiting family in Iowa. We climbed in through an already broken window since the doors were chained and locked. It was a wild, mold-carpeted, dark, and broken-down wasteland. The building was gutted. They had an auction and disintegrating by the second. It looked like an apocalyptic video game, and I probably shortened my life by a year by breathing in the air. True story, because it turned out it was riddled with asbestos. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> they couldn't even build... burn it. Yeah, until they Well, they... They until they got rid of yeah they had like a hazmat whatever team yeah yeah that's right i mean it was built in the in the mid-70s by just a bunch of volunteer hippies so yeah it wasn't exactly i mean that's i'm sure there were some i'm sure there were some code things involved in there but like yeah i can't i can imagine it was before they knew asbestos would kill you but yeah yeah (laughs) well we'll say that we don't actually know um let's see the creep factor was through the roof I grew up at Shiloh and spent my whole life there. It was wild to venture into the vault, deep electrical tunnels, and Gary and Marilyn's apartment places that I didn't know existed and or was never allowed access to. This was especially wild since I even lived across from the vault at one point for a year, and I spent most of my childhood exploring all the building rooms I could. I just thought it was a closet. I thought so too. I did not know where the vault was until I read this letter and I was like that's where it was because I never knew I lived in that apartment wing as well down in the basement Mm -hmm. so weird yeah I grew up going to the public school nearby whenever Shiloh came up at school I would hear kids subtly or not so subtly mutter cult and then giggle I once was running audio I did it at church too for a school play and had another non-cult kid in the booth with me that ran through all the rumors people thought about Shiloh All girls wear chastity belts. The water tower was a missile silo. There was a tunnel to Iowa City slash China, and there were brainwashing stations. (laughs) Some of the rumors were a bit more true than I ever thought they could be. Well, Shiloh was just one big brainwashing station. One big brainwashing station. I like how how this tunnel, like, it went 
to Iowa City and then took a sharp turn and went to China and like no <laughs> stops in between. <laughs> Those were your only two options. Yeah, like, Iowa City time. or China. <laughs> or China. Yeah, the to the Volt thing a little bit. I mean, it's, you know, you said that you didn't even know about it. I've heard that too, um, that people who should have known about it heard a lot of those things where it was, it was super secret. People that should have known any normal place were like, oh yeah, there's a vault in there with all the important stuff. No, it was like layers of security and knowledge. And that's part of the security is just not letting certain people outside of a circle know it. I went and visited the vault and these tunnels after it burned down and got to go into the, and it's a big, like serious, you know, little space little space it's it's pretty big yeah it is really interesting i mean i remember Um, hearing about it but i had never seen it and didn't know where it was yeah growing up i didn't think much about it from what i understand it was well well hidden but interesting that you and this person like lived right across the way from it no idea yeah yeah isn't that That creepy that was that was by design we also have um i think what we'll do is we'll post somewhere sometime somehow uh repost photos from a somebody who is completely unrelated to the um you know former members or anything like that they they had posted photos because this other person had broken in or broken in gotten into this place during the same time and taken a bunch of photos um and so i think we're gonna we're gonna you know we'll check to see if we need permission but like it's somebody that started a blog uh, about Mm. abandoned places in Iowa and this was one of them. And so they have some photos that are really interesting. Um, Hopefully we can share those. Yeah. Yeah. Give you a visual, a visual representation of, of everything we just, we just saw there. (laughs) Um, Do you want me to do this one? Yeah, sure. Okay. This is funny. So yeah, this is funny. This is from a non-member who just messaged us on Instagram. Um, and they, uh, well, I'll just go ahead and read it. So they said, I was never a member, but while exploring Kelowna, Iowa in 2013, my friends and I happened upon Shiloh and got super weird vibes after just driving up to find a way to turn around. So we looked on their website and saw an upcoming profit summit, profit summit, and decided to attend, figuring we'd blend in. Somehow, all of the many people could tell we weren't a part of the church. We asked permission to explore the campus, but there were like 20 people that followed us at a distance. I think it's really interesting because like they thought that they could just show up to the School of Prophets summer camp, which was like an annual event that everybody from all over the churches, from all over the country, all over the world even would come and attend in Iowa and these people who had nothing to do with the church thought they could just like show up and not be detected. And maybe in a normal <laughs> world, that would be the case, but not in a cult. We people all knew, knew each other. Like, yeah. Somehow all the many people could tell we weren't a part of the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. it. As former members, we, we know, we know. <laughs> like, I haven't seen you around. No, it is so funny. And like, they must have been yeah. so creeped out. They did talk about in the, another part of the message that they had Googled to see what it was. And that's, then it said there was cult stuff online. Yeah. Yeah. So Um, the fact that they had the guts to come up, even knowing that it was reported to be a cult online, then they're like, let's go check it out. I think it's so cool. (laughs) I know. I think it's amazing. Yeah. 
And then 20 people followed him around when they were <laughs> trying to explore the campus. <laughs> Suspish. Suspish. So then we have an email from another former member who allowed us to use her name. Her name is Debbie Johnson. And she was around uh, right after JRS died. So she says, after JRS yeah. died, JRS's apartment in Honolulu had to have a light on 24-7, candle or gas lantern, and we could not sleep while rotating our watch over it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were joking about it when you first read this to me, and I was like, what, like the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier? Like, it's just that I'm constant yeah. guard in front of it. Um, but she said, um, we prayed and prayed for his rising. It was very dumb, and I had always thought that, even when sitting in his apartment watching the light. It was completely bizarre and ridiculous. So for those that don't know, it was like the whole thing was John Stevens was supposed to be given resurrection life and he was going to come mm -hmm. back from the dead. Much that was like, like Jesus. Yes, much like Jesus. That was the that was the whole promise for a long time. And this is something that is a whole theme through especially the early days of the living word. And John's whole word and stuff was about resurrection life and mortality um, divine health and all sorts of stuff. Well, he ended up dying and, um, uh, of cancer and, um, and like they, you know, after he died, everybody was like, well, we need to pray for his rising. And, yeah. um, it's just, it's really, I have a, I have a little document that was sent out too, and I wasn't actually planning on reading this. Um, but like, I'll just mention it because it's also, it's veiled just like anything it, immediately after his death, there was a confidential document that went out and it was, you know, basically implying that we need to continue believing the same things that we've always believed. Like what you see, you shouldn't trust is what the document is saying. Like you see and implying that John Robert Stevens death, what you see yeah. Isn't don't believe it. Believe what dead. we've been telling you. He may look dead. Mm -hmm. And so for Debbie here telling us that, like, you know, she was instructed to keep a candle lit 24-7 <laughs> while they prayed for his arising is just like one of those things you're like, what this like? And yet this is just one corner. This is just Aunt JRS's apartment. Like what is the candle like the guiding light for John's spirit? Like, oh, I got lost. And he's like, oh, I'm glad I found my apartment in Hawaii, you know? It's very bizarre. I mean, I can see like having a vigil like that with candle, but to uh, but be doing it with the wow. intention of like for, while praying for his resurrection, it's just kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just, just straight up culty. Yeah. Like, like she says, it was completely bizarre and ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, she also gave us a little bit of other information um, that we think is interesting um, that, uh, I mean, there's not a lot here, but it's, I think it's very interesting that JRS and Gary and Marilyn had armed security. And when asked if she saw it with her eyes, actually saw the armed part of the security, she said yes. And this person carried a license for hidden concealment um, as so their weird. security. Like how yeah, many I pastors mean, do you know out there that have armed bodyguards? Like why? Only the most persecuted ones. <laughs> only the ones that are doing the most, the most, you know, to fight whatever we were doing. I don't know. <laughs> the, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we got a letter from a former member who wrote us in about their time in San Diego, Los Angeles. Do you want to, do you want to read that letter? Yeah. Okay. 
so this former member was a part of the San Diego church and then uh, moved to the Los Angeles chapter of the church. She had written a letter to her shepherds and the submission of why she wanted to go to the LA church. And she said she wanted to be a part of the LA worship team, be a teacher at the church school um, and look for a partner. So all of that quickly fell apart. <laughs> and she says that, um, this is a quote from her letter. I lived in LA for four years, 2005 to 2009. Most of the time I hated it. I actually developed a severe case of social anxiety there and eventually started avoiding church altogether. I lived in two homes, one of which was Rayan Street, which was one of the communal homes. After my first year living in a roommate situation that I actually enjoyed, I was asked to move into the Rayan house. I was looking for acceptance and I felt like I didn't fit in, so I thought being a Rayan girl would be the answer. I had also been trained to think that involvement equals love and acceptance. I regret that decision. I felt like I lived in a fishbowl. I tried working at the school, but didn't make it past one year. I wasn't a quote, good fit, and I was absolutely crushed. It was my first teaching job and it was so overwhelming. I was also extremely embarrassed that I didn't last. I mean, I wasn't good enough in the eyes of my shepherds. I had failed at something that I had dreamt about. However, I could barely live off of my tiny little paycheck anyway. She goes on to say, well, the school didn't work. What about worship? Which was one of her other reasons for moving there. Um, I kept asking if I could go to worship practice and my shepherd at the time, also the principal of the school, finally let me go. I was so excited to be at practice. I remember singing a song that was being worked on in front of the mic and I and thinking it wasn't the best song for my voice range, but I did my best. I didn't know everyone well and I was feeling self-conscious. I wasn't as cool as some of the other people that were there. The next weekend rolled around and I was told by my shepherd that I would not be a part of the worship team. I was crushed again. Not a lot of explanation either. So within a year, two of my three reasons for moving into the LA church were tossed out the window. Yeah, um, I think I think that uh, that line up there from the top, the train to think that involvement equals acceptance. Yeah, that was uh, true. Love and acceptance is so it's like that's the theme that it sounds like it runs through here. And and for those that don't know, Rain Street, like you said, was one of the um, communal homes, but it was also this like McMansion resort that, resort that we <laughs> that Rick's we like poured a yeah. Yeah, Rick's like he poured so much money into it and it was right next to the school. Um, and of course, the school, too, you know, trying to be involved there. And worship was another one of Rick's things. It was like the, you know, they would get together on like Saturdays and like rehearse and like put a lot of effort into making the music like a production. Mm -hmm. um, and all of these things would be very like you'd be very involved if you if you got to be a part of that stuff, but it sounds like, you know, it's funny cause it, it kind of comes back to like what you've said so many times, charity, where like, you know, the closer you try and get in, the worse it actually is, yes. you know? Yeah. And, um, I don't know. It's just interesting. She, she goes on to say a few more things. Let's, let's hear. Well, I wanted to say too, that Rick, it was super elitist about the, anything involving performance. Like he was kind of a dick about it, you know? Um, <laughs> Uh, and the whole thing about getting the closer you get in, it's like, you feel like that's what you have to do to be accepted. But like you said, once you do, it's like the abuse ramps up. So mm -hmm. in some ways, yeah, so it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's like, sometimes you think like being pushed away and like rejected is dramatic, but right. then for some people, when they get dragged in, it's just like, you just deeper and deeper, like quicksand or something. Yeah. Either way yeah. you're screwed. Anyway. <laughs> yeah.
Best thing um, to just not be involved at all. Run away. <laughs> best thing, just don't be in a cult. <laughs> yeah. Live and learn. I didn't somebody know. say that earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Go <on>, continue. Yeah. <laughs> Um, she, she says there were a few things though, that pushed her to the edge. And, um, one was when Rick was temporarily set out of the church for having yet another affair. Was was this affair number four? (laughs) Uh, if it was 2009, then yeah. 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 Um, so she says no one really wanted to talk about it either. So true. Um, anyway, after some months passed, I remember Rick coming up to the pulpit and saying, I'm back in a creepy voice. (laughs) I wanted to barf. I was bitter. What kind of church was I part of? Gary had also brought a word at one point in which he said that he or Marilyn had a dream that the church had become like a stillborn baby. I thought to myself, why would I want to be a stillborn baby? I felt like everything about the living word felt so important and unachievable at the same time. I was so tired of feeling like I wasn't making it or doing a good job, quote, for God. It was exhausting. I couldn't help but wonder if there was another way to live. Mm. Yeah. there. That yeah. I really like how she said that because that's how I felt too. was like, you, it was the carrot. You could never get, you could never get it. It was always something mm-hmm. like a, they, they put it out a little further. My hand is so like close to yeah. the mic. A little further, um, you know, unattainable. Just always out of just, reach. Just unattainable, out of reach. like she said. Yeah. 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 And it always and just you just feel like shit about yourself constantly, no mm-hmm. matter what. Which is great. Yeah. That's a great time to feel that way. It's it's so it's so good. Mm. We love yeah. that. <laughs> um so then she says about the lasting trauma. Because she did eventually um part ways with the church. For almost a decade after leaving, I felt a tremendous feeling of guilt, like I couldn't fully appreciate my life. It's like there was always a voice in my head saying I wasn't living the way I should because I left, that something was wrong, I was a failure, something bad was going to happen to me. In the past few years, I've come to realize some of the lasting damage I received from the church. And we just kind of summarized these into bullet points um, based on her, her writing. Difficulty making friendships, struggling socially. Difficulty making decisions, trusting own gut, issues with authority, lack of confidence, and parenting. This one is is word for word. She says, I have come to realize that some of the authority role has leaked into my parenting style as well. It's been a work in progress, but it has been said that I can be too hard and too strict with my child. Which makes sense, you know, that's like... Mm -hmm. uh, you kind of do what was done to you because you don't really know any yeah. better unless you realize that that now I'm, you know, she says that she's looking into uh that the podcast has encouraged her to seek out a therapist that specializes mm-hmm. in cults. And, you know, the fact that she even recognizes that it bled into her parenting. That's, um, that's, that's the, the first step. And yeah, that's the first step. It's the ending the generational trauma. Um, yeah. And not passing it on to the next generation. Um, I think it's so, you know, this is such a great example of toxic, toxic culture. Mm -hmm. Um, every interaction, you know, it shows that like any interaction, any attempt at interacting, any attempt at being accepted, any attempt at being involved can, whether you are accepted or not, you know, and in this case, not can cause trauma. It's, yeah. it's so much like there, there, it's not a safe place. Any kind of swimming you're trying to, you know, trying to work for the school and being underpaid and like, 
being rejected there. Just trying to mm. live in one of the communal homes was torture for her, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just, yeah, it's just a great example of like, yeah, put your toe in, put, you know, get, get involved and you're just going to get eaten alive. Eaten alive. Yeah. <laughs> Jinx. Um, <laughs> nah. Ah. <laughs> no, okay, it's, we it's also, yeah, it is a bummer. Um, we also got this letter. Uh, this is from another Kelowna person. Shout out to those Kelowna peeps. I think Keep we're moving coming. through the entire town here. <laughs> How many people are left, you know, that are hard to write it? Listen, it's small, but not that small. It's a, yeah. <laughs> but we love hearing uh, from the Kelowna people because it's probably yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And yeah, uh, this, the, so the, this was from a community member that never was a part of Shiloh, but. They, they tried know. to be is what it sounds like well, the they story tried- is. To date somebody. In the yeah, call. they tried to date somebody. Dun, and, dun, you know, dun. We know how that goes now. Now that we've heard these <laughs> stories, um, I can only imagine what it's like being being somebody that lives in Kelowna and just knows that there's just this cult up on a hill, like over the town, and you're just constantly aware. It's like Edward Scissorhands or something, you know, the little <laughs> town down there, and then up on the hill is it's like scary place. It's um, scary. Okay. Uh, here, here's here's what they wrote. I am from Kelowna, born and raised, as well as both my parents who still reside there. I was always curious about Shiloh, but it wasn't until my high school years, 2001 to 2005, um, where I met all my best friends. They were all Shiloh kids that were homeschooled and then came to Mid Prairie for high school. We were very active in school plays and musicals, and and uh, through them, I being I became connected to Shiloh. My senior year, I would go out there for services every Sunday and spent a lot of time in apart- in the apartments where my best friend lived. I became interested in a guy from Shiloh and went to my senior prom with him. He told me his shepherd wasn't really into us being together since I wasn't a member and suggested I attend their summer barbecues, which I know uh, were just dinners where shepherds watching young people to set them up with each other like a matchmaking game. Uh, his shepherd did not approve of me and things ended there. I always found it odd. You were not allowed to date or be friends with people outside the church. Hmm, that is odd. It is uh, odd. That, <laughs> a little bit culty. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> uh, that summer I was getting deep into the church and even went out there during YASP to uh, meet meet people from the other churches. YASP is the Young Adult School of Prophets or Young Adult Summer Program. My best friend asked who I thought I might like as a shepherd if I were to join. I didn't like the idea of someone telling me what to do. I'm a very independent person. Luckily, I started my freshman year at college that fall and my Shiloh connection was over. I was very sad when one of, one by one, they shut me out of their lives, unfriending me on social media and not returning my calls. I can only assume they were told to do that. I always thought it was a cult from stories my dad told me about the place, but after I was shut out, I knew it. You are told who to date, where to work, encouraged not to associate with outsiders, and told where to live. What if the person they pick you to marry you don't like? What kind of place does that? It's, these are great questions that mm-hmm. just would have bounced right off the brain of a yeah. cult member if you asked them <laughs> when they're involved. Uh, but it's so, so serious. You t- they, they told you who to date, where to work, encouraged not to associate with outsiders and told you where to live. I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, even after Shiloh was torn down and no longer exists, there's still many ex Shiloh members who stayed in town and created a new church. 
called the English River Chapel, which is one next to the golf course south of town on Highway 1. They are all still preaching the word of JRS. So is the cult really over? Oof, great question. Mm -hmm. As far as I'm concerned, they just swept away the sex abuse scandal and continued with the word and the brainwashing. Keep up the good work. Shiloh is fascinating to me as it was close to home. Um, Love that. Yeah. I, you know, that English River Chapel thing. Uh, hey, if you're a member of English River Chapel, write us in and tell us, <laughs> you know, are we tell wrong? What the fuck are you're you doing? just an extension of Shiloh and the continuation of the teachings of John Robert Stevens? Um, love to that's, hear from you. That's what a lot of people like to say. I don't even know how many people are. There's still people that support Gary and there's still people that denounced Gary, but still embrace John Stevens because his word was pure, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. It wasn't folks like he was a charlatan from the beginning. And we're doing yeah. a lot of research about that. And like, I, it's really frustrating. It's just it is. move on people. <laughs> that sounds really <laughs> discompassionate. Doesn't it? It's just like, it really does. Um, yeah, I just, I just, the word of JRS. I mean, I'm really excited to share more of, of, you know, what we, what we find out um, about him. But if you haven't, and you are from the English River Chapel, please watch our To Be a Charlatan. It might hurt to watch it and you might scream at the TV, <laughs> the, the, whatever, the computer screen, but like. I try to understand, you know, I've had my moments of like, I get it. I get it. It's hard to let go of something you gave your whole life to. Well, try being born into it and trying to figure life out after that. I love hearing from these community members too, for that reason, where it's like just objectively how they saw it. And it's really validating because it's like, yeah, it really was that militant. Because I think I justified it in my mind at times where I'm like, well, you know, we're still allowed to associate with people out in the world in the community. So it's not like a cloistered mm. cult, but absolutely we were discouraged from it. When I was under the, um, the Maryland farms leadership, I call it the, I won't say the name, but the blank regime. Cause they were so oh. mean. Everyone thought they were like the sweet little grandma and grandpa. They were so incredibly mm -hmm. cruel, um, mm -hmm. to me and I know to others, but, um, I remember I wanted to go visit with a friend from college, uh, and, I asked permission because that's what I was supposed to do. And I think I was like 23, you know, I'm not a child. And she says to me, well, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I, you, you decide for yourself. And I was like, well, that's new. So I went and mm -hmm. saw my friend. And then the next day um, she asked me what I decided. And I was like, yeah, I went to, she goes, well, that's not what I wanted you to do. Mm, I love it. <laughs> love it. Don't See, I don't want you associating with people like it, yeah. it's like the the militant stuff. Like when 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 this person says you're told who to date, where to work, encouraged not to associate with outsiders, and told where to live. All of those instructions, all instructions came didn't come through slapping you across the face and being like, you will listen to me. I mean, that did happen to some people sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Um, yeah. But most of the time, what it was was uh manipulative. If yeah. you did something that they didn't want you to do, then they punished you or told you how they're disappointed in you. Like your story here. It's, mm -hmm. it's the manipulation of it. The fact that it, it wasn't obvious and, you know, like very clear cut, like you said, you could, you could, you, we could listen to pop music. We could, um, mm -hmm. interact with the, with the rest of the world. We just weren't allowed to, we weren't given the space and the freedom to because we were punished and manipulated into sticking yeah. with the cult. 
Um, and mm -hmm. they use these like relationships and stuff to, to encourage that and to make sure that you stuck around. So it was really shitty. The, the lines were very clear, but they were also hard to see when you're in, yeah. involved it's in there. It's crazy making because yeah. it's like, oh, I can make my own decision. Oh, you want me to make my own decision? And then you do. And then it's like, you made the wrong decision. Mm -hmm. And so the, it's, again, <laughs> that mixed message. It's like, wait, I can't ever get it right no matter what I do unless I'm just yeah, like that's right. a robot. Uh, 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 uh. Uh -huh. Anyways, send us your send us your letters. Contact. <laughs> contact walkdoc at gmail.com. Contact, well, I know we always get it confused. Contact walkdoc yeah. at gmail.com. At gmail.com. And all of our branding is all over the place too, because this is a Oops, I'm in a Cult podcast and we're using all this walkdoc stuff from <laughs> yeah. what we started doing with the documentary. Speaking about the documentary, um, a big part of that has been researching and trying to understand what this place is. And I've been calling for former members since 2018, since Shalom's letters were released, I've been asking former members to share your old living word material. And a lot of you are on the Facebook and the whatnotery out. And But we were able to find somebody who is not a part of the Facebook and has been not a part of the living word for almost decades, I think. And um, this person, Kim Brine, am I saying that right? Kim Brine. I think it's Burn. Kim Burn. Burn. Well, Kim, um, Kim, Kim, uh, found us and, uh, wrote an email and said that, um, they have all of this material and been holding on to it for a long time and is like been holding on to it for historical reasons is, is what was said and, um, wanted to get rid of it. And finally, so they sent it to me and, um, now I got a big box of really, I have to say like pristine quality material that I have not seen anywhere else. So like some people that were used to, like, I've talked about the tapes and the, this week's, um, and books and manuals and these things that we're familiar with, but I received this whole box of like almost, um, more internal documents from the early days, early seventies, um, in the walk. And I'll show you, I'll show you for those that are watching on YouTube, I'll show you one little image of it. This is, it's still called a this week, but it's just this little, these little things are my notes. Um, it's just a little like pamphlet, like the super, leaflet. like just yeah. little leaflet, like really simple, no fun graphics or anything like that. Um, I got a whole box of them plus other, uh, just a, just a bunch of stuff. And, um, it, I, when I got it, I actually called charity and I sat on the phone with her just totally lost in it. Just diving, <laughs> just like looking through it being like, Oh my God, look at this stuff. <laughs> and like, and I like looked up and it was dark and I was like alone in the dark room. The sun had set. <laughs> and I was like, Oh no, I got lost. Anyways, <laughs> we want to share some of this stuff because it is, some of what I, after doing that, I went through and made some notes and I actually have a lot here. So hopefully we don't spend too much time doing this, but it is worth it's the hang stuff. on. So it's really good stuff. And this is just a little bit of what I found. It's very this like, you know, we, fun stuff. Yeah. it's very fun and like, but also substantial to the main mission. You know, we mentioned yes. 
John Robert Stevens' Eternal Life and Divine Health, that's a big part of this. Um, mm-hmm. The anti-establishment of the walk and how it rejected the, the world and its cult-like behaviors come from this rejecting of the world, something that they called Babylon, which is just a yeah. biblical reference to the occupying force of the Jews in the whatever century from the Bible. But like, um, so they call it Babylon all the time. And um, this, these, these, uh, these early this week, so these little pamphlets are just amazing. So let's read through some of these um, as a little bit of backstory. If you haven't caught up on all of our podcast and some of the other things we've talked about in 1972, John Robert Stevens uh, traveled to the future and he, you know, <laughs> said that he saw the kingdom in this vision and that became a big force for the living word and all the followers to try and make that true. And um, the kingdom is basically saying the apocalypse. Um, These anti-establishment beliefs, like I mentioned, and doomsday prepping, food, stockpiling, health crazes, and survivalist excursions are what we are going to learn about here. And of course, the building of Shiloh, which was the big compound in Iowa that we just read about that people explored. So This is what um, I'm putting this as a little bit of background. This, I don't think this particular quote was actually from an audio tape that I found recently, but um, John Robert Stevens says, freeways will be bombed out. They'll be destroyed. You're going to have to know how to survive. I'd like to have a thousand homes stocked with the necessary equipment for survival. So this is something that John said in one of his tapes. This next quote is from uh, one of these pamphlets from January 26, 1975. And it says here, we have become moral and physical wrecks because we have been taught to enjoy the seeming luxuries that living in Babylon pours out. Man in his civilized existence has reached the epitome of wretchedness, weakness, lethargy, perversiveness, sexual depravity, deformity, abnormal obsession, demon possession, and premature death, plus scads of unnamed diseases waiting to pounce upon the unexpected and unaware. Very Scabs. Very, so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so in response to this, this the vision and John Robert Stevens saying freeways will be bombed out. They'll be destroyed. All of that stuff. You'll need to know how to survive. I'd like a thousand home stockpiles. These things that he's saying, we get something called <laughs> the um, Sierra Survival School, which was announced in, in one of these um, pamphlets. And, um, oh, this is the wrong. Does it say what year that was, that pamphlet? This one would be from, so this Sierra Survivor School was announced in August 11th, 1974. And it was sent to the Southern California churches at the time, which was the Valley, Anaheim, and Southgate. And um, in it, this this is what is described. It says, we're going to meet at the new moon at the church and proceed to the survival camp area. You, you will awaken from the wonder sleep to find yourself surrounded by stately pines and cedars from your first breath of mountain air to your washing up in cold mountain stream. You will be learning how you had been surviving and how you are now living. You will, you will return a changed people. And then they, and I'll let Charity read the the second, the last half of this, but I'll say, then they include a list of things to bring, including a knife, a deck of herb cards, flint stick, but no matches. 
then they <laughs> list the thing they list the things that they should not bring. Go ahead and read that last one, Charity. My favorite. We will be yeah. living off the wild foods available and making shelters to live in. Do not bring toilet paper, Kleenex, cosmetics, toothpaste, or other weird little Babylonian concoctions. Let's be open to learn the natural ways. Like Oh, so to- toilet paper is from Babylon. Wipe your asses with something else. <laughs> something else. Don't know what. Brush your teeth, Weird wipe your ass with something else. These were some crunchy people. This was some oh, like Lord. some crunchy people that were like, you know, leave no no trace style, except it was it was connected to this Babylonian idea that your creature comforts of toilet paper. This is not available to us in God's kingdom. God's kingdom does not allow (laughs) toilet paper. Oh man. I can't believe it. You guys must have stunk back then. (laughs) Freaking hippies coming through. Where where's the part about the catnip enemas? It's coming next. Coming? We're we're getting there because I want to lay in all this I'm out. I'm here. excited. Okay. <laughs> I know. So, in another insert uh, from uh, September of 1974, they go on to say that you know, I mean, maybe I don't need to preface this with the way that people were. These were these were wayward hippies that had denounced a lot of. Um, worldly things in general. And then joining the walk was an extension of that. Joining the early living word was an extension of that. And so in 1974, this, this thing read your appetite, sensibilities, and pocketbook can be soothed during this time of year, not to mention taking one step towards independence and release from Babylon's snare grapes, walnuts, olives, peaches, figs, and more will be growing wild in vacant lots and abandoned orchards or neglected in people's yards saying, don't worry about the fact that you don't have any money. Like go to the vacant lots and just pick fruit off the ground and survive. <laughs> have a dandelion. <laughs> have a dandelion. And, and, uh, and you'll see how this will, 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 let's keep going. Okay. So then another insert that didn't have a date, um, but in, it was titled preparation for the days of head five. Um, this week's preparation encouragement is dedicated to mothers. We want to prepare our children in times of change before us. It would be good on some days to pretend as if it was already the time of scarcity. The older children can be a tremendous blessing to the body. Instead of wasting time watching TV, they can learn to make items that will be necessary for people who are coming out of Babylon. Candles, moccasins, soap, cloth bags, paper sacks, of course, will be gone. Clothing quilts. Trips to the store can be replaced by trips to the nearest empty lot for edible weeds. Mm. <laughs> Just more like lot. Mm-hmm. Instead of going to the grocery store, go to the nearest lot and pluck weeds out of the <laughs> lot. What does that even mean? <laughs> okay. This will, this will make a little bit more sense when we, we talk a little bit about one of the kingdom businesses of this time. Um, kingdom businesses was this grand idea that John Robert Stevens had about making um, using capitalist ideas of business, even though they're rejecting like the state of America at the time, they're like yeah. saying like, let's make a business and make money to help pay for me and fund mm-hmm. the kingdom and all of that. And so one of the prominent kingdom businesses at the time was called golden threads. And this is what golden they say about golden threads. Golden threads is dedicated to providing anointed clothing to the body, loose ministries and supply finances to the apostolic company. We are presently operating on a completely volunteer basis, but 
we are believing that eventually we will pay for workers and loose them from their jobs in Babylon. So <laughs> they're saying, come work for the kingdom business, which will help pay for the leaders. Um, you're not going to get paid, but don't worry. You can go to the nearest, you can send your kids to the nearest lot to pluck weeds and you can have that yeah. for dinner. And eventually <laughs> we'll, we'll pay you so you don't have to work in, in Babylon. And also you're saving money because you can't use Babylonian toilet paper. So you That's won't right. need to buy that. So you and your crusty butts can uh, go, uh, <laughs> go to work at Golden Threads. Just and sail right on into the kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Dirty wear butts. your anointed clothing. <laughs> Uh, okay. I think my mom worked at Golden Threads for a bit. I yeah. Th did she? That was the one that she talked about where they were pulled during their break. So when they did get breaks at these kingdom businesses, they had to use the breaks praying for the death of John Robert Stevens' wife. <laughs> remember yeah, that's Martha. what she said. Like during well, breaks, yeah, we go pray for the or, or impact. But and where your Maybe mom impact. and my mom worked together at one of those places. It was either great, uh, uh, great Bible manufacturing. Cover. Yeah, yeah. Greg Manufacturing. Oh. They can they can claim they were never a kingdom business all they want. The record dictates <laughs> differently. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So do you want to you want to take us into the the health thing a little bit? I'll I'll give you a little bit of a picture and you can read the quotes. Um, okay. Okay. So they had a healing ministry that uh, instructed followers to use alternative natural medicine so they could avoid Babylonian doctors. Again, anything that has to do with like the establishment, we're going to reject it. Let's read some of these yeah. um, fun quotes here. So this says, begin a whole new way of life. This is from August 11, 1974. By fasting and using herb enemas like catnip or strawberry leaves, become divine health minded and cast off every thought of death, old age or negativity. Yeah. When I, when Scott first, read, <laughs> when you first read me this and I told him, I remembered a story about uh, a friend's grandmother, the little old lady would, cause this all became, came full circle in the nineties too, when Gary mm -hmm. and Marilyn brought the health crazes back to the surface. Um, and everyone was doing enemas, like <laughs> not catnip enemas though. This is the first one I heard about a catnip enema, which, but this funny little old lady, oh, she was so cute. She, she did a cayenne enema. She was telling her granddaughter, my friend, boy, if you think cayenne's hot in your mouth, you should try it in your a-hole. <laughs> And these were things that were being promoted from like the health ministry. It's just, I can't, we can't like, you know, I know that you can, you can go and argue alternative health and like the kooky stuff like day and night. I just, I'm sorry. It's so weird. And to like promote yeah. it and make it such a, it became a central part of, I mean, it was obviously a central part at this, at this point in time too, preparing us for the end times and the, the apocalypse and stuff and divine health and all that. But then Gary and Marilyn made a, another kingdom business called Marilyn farms. And it, then it became a source of income for them. Yeah. So they would, they would bring a word about how you need divine health and you should do these different enemas and all sorts of crazy stuff. And then by the way, we happen to sell the products that you need in the side mm -hmm. room at the church, go and go and set yourself up for an order. Um, and it's just like, it's really nutty, really nutty stuff. Um, I wanted to share this like little, there's a little insert that it doesn't have a date or anything. It <laughs> fell out of one of the things, but it, it gives you a little bit of information about some of the, um, some of the herbs, you know, wild lettuce or um, spearmint and like what their benefits were. But then like, for some reason, there's just like, and 
I don't know. There's just a picture of a lamb in the middle of, of it. Everything else is an herb. And then there's a lamb and it says, eat the flesh, head, legs, and entrails roasted with fire. And I Ooh. just like, I don't know. I just think it's funny. It's probably, I would, I would be surprised if it wasn't from like the feast of Passover, Passover or something. And that's like oh, a biblical yeah. quote. I just think it's really goofy that like, it's a really eat terrible stuff. And then it's like, too. eat the flesh, <laughs> the head, the legs, the entrails, you know? <laughs> Eat it all with your it all. parking lot herbs. <laughs> exactly. Or sorry, weeds. Um, <laughs> not yeah, even parking herbs. Lot, parking, yeah, not even herbs, just weeds. <laughs> Whatever. Straight up you know, weeds. Like, you picture like a parking lot that's like cracks and stuff and little grass yeah, going that's down. that's exactly what I picture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so silly. Okay, this was another, uh, you know, Shiloh eventually became a um, part of it was that it was a farm and it would provide a lot of the food that was needed in the end time. So it could be self-sustained, self-sustainable, you know, um, little cult out there. And so there was an announcement in one of these things um, that said, we have 22 head of cattle on the farm, which will be bred by beefalo sperm. And it says, the Lord led us to buy $1,500 worth of sperm. And uh, I don't know. I mean, that well, might be a legitimate thing or not, but I just think it's a really funny revelation from the Lord. As the God Lord comes down and buy. says, and thus I say. $1,500 worth of sperm you shall buy. It's <laughs> <laughs> so wild. I know. <laughs> it's wild. Um, okay. Let's uh, do you want to read the next quote? Let me just. Okay, this says, this is another quote from the pamphlet. Now that our spirits have found the way out of death, we're agonizing because the whole man has got to get out too. Out of death, out of complexity. Babylon, the great harlot, understands very well the ways of impartation. She makes herself a part of men by feeding them her complicated mind trip food. <laughs> How do we get out of here? Simply stop eating the things that keep us here. Yeah. Um Mind trip food. Mind trip food. Just funny mac ways cheese? of saying, it. yeah, <laughs> mac and cheese. That's a mind trip food. Um, yeah, I just it's such a it's such a it's the, these things are full of this like railing against Babylon. Anything that the like the way that the standard world did stuff, especially mm -hmm. in the health department, um, was just like absolutely not. We will not do that. It, it shows. To me, what it shows is a very clear, determined effort to prepare for the apocalypse. It wasn't some abstract idea, this higher spiritual. It's like like what John said, the freeways will burn. You know, you're going to be like, it's totally a time of scarcity. They, talk, they go yeah. on about fa uh, famine that's coming. There are um, energy shortages. And I know some of these things were tied to like real events at the time, like a gas shortage in the seventies and things like that, that were happening. And, but they use those to show that like, Oh, see, it's happening. My vision of 79, it's happening. There's no gas. Mm -hmm. And so there's no food. There's no, like, you've got to reject these things. We have to be ready for these end times. And out of that is even after John died, we held on to that stuff. And that's what we, like we said with with Gary and Marilyn, they, they kind of modernized those beliefs yeah. and turned it into this like, you know, pursuit of making money and like capitalizing, capitalizing on it. So 
Yeah. And they also, that was like the McDougal diet, the diet crazes mm-hmm. that started in the nineties and then it turned yeah. into Maryland farms. And then it was like the, um, the health commission, mm-hmm. which they told everyone like, well, you got some, some stuff to say about that. And well, I, I do, about- too, but let's tell your fun story first and how the health commission <laughs> and the leader of the health commission, um, which, by the way, I want to enter, but before we tell Charity's really fun story, like I'm not even kidding, this is like almost <laughs> tops everything that we just said. And we've been waiting well, for the right hour. Too hard. Like, I'm might selling be it hard. <laughs> the, um, the leader of the health commission told her to do this stuff. But before we get into that, I know that there were emails sent by the health commission to followers. Um, there were newsletters and things like that. So if any former followers can go search through their old email accounts and forward me just all of it, I'd really appreciate that. Oh, so yeah. the leader of the health commission. <laughs> so this was a woman who was in the apostolic company, very close uh, to Gary and Marilyn, one of the leaders of Shiloh and had been a nurse maybe like 30 years before, but hadn't been practicing for said 30 years And then suddenly she's like in charge of the health commission and whatever. Um, Gary and Marilyn specifically said like, trust her authority and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Well, this woman, for one thing, she, (laughs) garlic was like this huge, like cure all in, in this time period. It's well, it still is, but yeah, they were like promoting it for absolutely everything. And I had a infection like a cervical infection that the doctor wanted to prescribe antibiotics, which it was standard, normal. And this woman told me to put a raw clove of garlic wrapped in cheesecloth and stick it up my vaginal canal. <laughs> I didn't do it because I uh, have a brain. Um, <laughs> can you imagine? Like, okay, and I will say that, and I don't think it was her that told me to do I had really bad acne when I was... Um, like around 1920. And I was told to put, I don't know by her, but raw garlic on my face. And it literally burned through layers of my skin. I still have scars. So of course I'm thinking about that when she's telling me to stick a clove of garlic up my vagina. I'm like, no, (laughs) I think I'll stick with Babylonian antibiotics in this case. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, I think it's already too far to like the, what you're saying about like crushing up garlic and like smearing it on your face. And then it caused like scarring. That's awful. And then, and then just be like reckless and just be like, yeah, stick it up there. Mm -hmm. That's great. I mean, just, I, I think sometimes these things are just common sense. Like, you know, I, I don't have a vagina, so I don't, I don't really know, (laughs) but like I I can just imagine (laughs) that it's just not a, not a good thing. That being said, I'm just going to say this, not because I'm just going to say it because I, because I told this to somebody who, uh, who is a friend of mine who like, it really believes in the, the alternative medicine stuff. And mm-hmm. recently I had an ear infection and she told me to like, you know, chomp on a, a clove of garlic and like, which I remember doing as a kid, because that's what my mom oh, would yeah. tell me to do because that was a thing. And I straight up, like when I chomped into, it, I was like transported back in time because like, that's yeah. exactly what I remember <laughs> doing. And like, I know that like, you know, all these dietitians and people can like say like, you know, garlic has these magic powers or, or science powers, whatever. And, um, but, um, friend told me that like for pregnancies or something, there is like a situation where doing that 
works. I'm sorry, friend. I don't believe it. I can't. I cannot imagine it. But well, you, you know, googled it too when we were talking about it, and I doctors googled were like, it. "Do not do that." Yeah, and right? this is this has been a whole thing for me. And I will just do this little aside because I have looked into this a lot, trying to this in the same way that like looking into like playing these tapes back and trying to understand what the history of this thing has been, trying to understand the. Um, instructions that this health commission and the leadership and Maryland farms, et cetera, et cetera, told everybody in the church to do these things and you will get divine health and healings and between the miracles and the practical and the made up stuff, trying to understand like, okay, how much reality is behind this? Like how, how real is this? And I'm not a doctor or a learned person by any standard. And so I can't say for myself, but you try your best to like look at studies and other professionals and what the general consensus is and all of these things. And yeah, I did a, I did a quick Google and saw that there was a, there was a controversy about this exact thing, garlic up the vagina, um, a few years ago. And like, there was a whole, there was a whole thing where, you know, OBGYNs and et cetera, were like, Stop. <laughs> Don't do it. You know? Yeah. It um, just doesn't like, no, that the, yeah. the, the tissue is so delicate. And like what it did to my face. Imagine, I mean, come on. Yeah, and that's the thing is like, <clears throat> I I'm all about holistic practices and combining that with, you know, modern medicine. Sure. But the, what's disturbing is how they wanted everyone to denounce like, the majority of modern medicine mm-hmm. in favor of all these alternative things. It's reckless. Yeah, it is. It is reckless. And that's the thing about it is like whether that there's a, there's a, a real use for this in certain instances or not, that's not like, like maybe there is like a very specific situation where like that makes sense. But in so much of the way that they handled this, it was just a few people making shit up who didn't necessarily have any legitimate credentials. And they would just tie it to not just to like, oh, this is, you know, you're just going to have a doctor and this is your personal health choices. It's no, it's you're fighting for the kingdom and divine health. That's what Mm -hmm. this health commission became. And that's something that I am looking into in a big way because my mom's story is is tied to this. And from yes. what I have looked into with with her story, which I have not talked a lot, a lot about on here, um, part in part because I want to make sure I get it right, um, it is tied to this health commission and the the fight for eternal life, and how the from the leadership from John himself. And Gary and obviously Marilyn and their for-profit business, Marilyn Farms and their tinctures and even the foot soldiers, the shepherds, etc. All the way down the line, we're saying this, you should like modern medicine is not the way to divine health. Alternative medicine that the shepherds, many of whom do not have experience in any way with health were dictating health choices for people. And, and it's, I think it's like an, it's, it's just, it just shows again, the total control that these people Mm -hmm. had over, um, every aspect, the lives of the followers, every aspect of the lives of the followers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And it's like that woman, I think maybe she took a few courses, you know, like in 
holistic health and then suddenly she's the the authority mm-hmm. and directing people what to do with their health. Yeah. Here comes Luna. Here comes Luna. She says, okay, that's enough. You did it. <laughs> that's the end of the episode. Oh, there she goes. She's always going to make her cameo. <laughs> yeah, she does. Milo had his howl. She has her <laughs> She has her show. She's showing up at the end. She goes, okay, one hour. That's all you get a week. <laughs> now time to pay attention to me. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's uh, that's the end of our of our episode, and that is the end of our season. Yeah. Um, I think we have one last little announcement, right? That we want to put in the end of this. We have a website. Yeah, it's nineteen ninety four all over again. We got websites, not just social <laughs> media. <laughs> We're on the cutting edge. Here. We're on the cutting edge. <laughs> www. <laughs> <laughs> dot, dot oops oops i'm in a call dot com yeah that's right to it's linked <laughs> it's linked below but there it's just all the same you know it, it's a lot of the stuff except the one i think the one thing that's on there that's like new and exciting is we're going to be post doing blog posts um yeah. which will delve further into living word stuff um I think our first blog post that's up there is a helpful one. Um, Walk Talk former members wow. had compiled a um, a list of living word lingo that we mm-hmm. affectionately called Walk Talk, and we've kind of manipulated that list and edited, added to, changed yeah. some of the things around, and shortened it so that it pertains to what we talk about on here and those that can't follow along because they weren't brainwashed enough um <laughs> can't kind of look up the definitions when we it's a glossary of terms just yeah, yeah for our non-former member listeners that are like what are you talking about um because yeah, we right. forget sometimes which is another part of that blog post is um i write about uh language yeah. thought reform and what's called loading the language like there's some professional <laughs> uh-huh. insights that we've you know read about that we included in there about how cults use vocabulary and like cult specific uh, terminology to brainwash you. And it works folks. And that's the, that's the nefarious side of it. It's, it's funny and cute that like we all have these stupid words that we say, but like at the end of the day, like it's what helps keep the cult, like a cult is these, these, uh, this language. So check it out. So check that out. Um, and, uh, we'll find ways to post it you know, out in the other socials or whatever, but www.oopsiminacult.com, all one word, lowercase. <laughs> HTTP. Colon backslash. <laughs> Colon backslash, backslash. Backslash. No, backslash? Yeah. no don't slash double. Don't, don't, don't worry. Don't, don't be too specific. It's just Google Oops, I'm in a cult. Maybe it'll show up. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps. Um, yeah, that's it. We'll be back. Probably in 2024 with some uh, new shiny stuff. Uh, if uh, you can't get enough of us, just listen to the podcast again. And uh, yeah, call it a day. <laughs> Happy holidays. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I w- all the things. Yeah. I want to say one last little personal thing just because it is, yeah, the holidays are coming up like the, I mean, we, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas one, but that's when I started publishing publishing stuff publicly yeah. was Christmas. I made a little video on YouTube about the Christmas truck, which we have not even talked about since. 
um, but just one of Rick Holbrook's little projects um, that is tied into the fall of the church in 2018. And then, um, and so from, from there, I think it's, you know, it's been a year basically of me putting this stuff out, but it's been a few years working on this in the background, trying to understand the story. Um, and I did not know that I would end up hosting a podcast with charity, um, who I hadn't talked to basically in 20 years, 15 years, 20 yeah. years, something like that. 15, 15 years, 15 years yeah. probably. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, it's been very, it's been very amazing from the conversations that I had pre pre, uh, podcast, um, and all the feedback that we've gotten from everybody. And then all the amazing support we have of since doing this podcast has been really awesome. And so we're excited to do it, to keep going, but we are going to take a little break and do some research and preparation for yeah. next season. Next season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are excited. Thanks everybody for listening and supporting and glad you're glad you're here. Glad mm-hmm. we're here. Glad we're yeah. doing it. Yeah, me too. All the things. It's been uh <laughs> Not as traumatic as I thought it might have been, but very fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been actually quite healing. Some people are like, why do you want to delve into all this? It's like, because you got to, you just, you got to look at it to deal it with it. You know, you can't mm-hmm. just push it down and ignore it. And that's what's yeah. fun about hearing from people is that it is really helping people to do that. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, thanks everybody. Yeah, thanks everybody. Toodaloo. Keep moving and grooving. Keep Toodaloo. moving and grooving. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Please like and subscribe. Follow us on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and our new website, oopsimanacult.com. Take it easy and don't join a cult. If you or someone you know has a mental illness, is struggling emotionally, or has concerns about their mental health, there are ways to get help. Use the resources linked in the description to find help for you, a friend, or a family member.